passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Dive into the mind of Brett Boone as we turn to the baseball legend to find out what's happening in his life and around Major League Baseball. This is Turning Two with Booney. Here's your host, Rich Herrera. Welcome, everybody. It's the Friday edition of the Boone Podcast. I'm the executive producer of this podcast, Rich Herrera. Sitting in the guest seat today is Brett Boone. Booney, how are you? Doing good, Rich. What do we got? What do we got on the table for turning two with Booney? We want to know where my $5 is. Uh, Those of you that might not have caught the podcast, which, come on, everybody listens to the podcast. Brett and I had a little bet. He was in Park City, Utah last week playing golf. And I bet $5 that our friend Ernie would beat him on the second day of the golf tournament. And the results were? He beat me. I, I've winter, all right. I've, winter chicken dinner. Here, for here we go. Last week I, I went down and I had a number of excuses for the golf. Now a lot of excuses. Day three. Now Ernie's Ernie's he's upped his game. He's a four handicap. He's better than me. I, I'm checking in at a six right now. So oh, I, I didn't know get, Ernie was that good of a golfer. Yeah, I should be, be be getting one aside, and it's his home track. And I I have to give him props. His short game right now is like. Tremendous. A plus golfer. Better okay. than scratch. He, he's that good right now with a short game. In uh, you? But we're playing these. You know, I, I, I thought about this a lot. As a young man, back in the day, every time I play golf, we would never play from any tees except for the back, back tees. Now, wow. as I'm getting older, my friends are getting older. Uh, most guys, they want to play a comfortable tee, a gold tee or, or blue gold combo. And I thought about it and get day three with Ernie. I said, Ernie, we're going to play all the way back and let's see how you do. We're going to play for the tips. I played a lot better because here's the thing. When I tee off, Rich, the farther back I tee off, I don't lose golf balls. Because when you tee off on the on the men's tees or the gold tees, you go left and right. And you're, my ball's off the golf course. You're spraying. Back tees, if I go left and right, I'm still on the golf course because I have a lot more places to miss. So going forward, I, I'm going to demand we just go all the way back wherever we play. Now, would and, that and make then we'll me, see. Would that make me less of a man if I played with you and you play from the tips and I play from the gold? No, it would make you just a normal person. Versus the boon. Correct. Okay. Correct. <laughs> no. So no, I, uh, I, I. It's a little I, emasculating. I, it's I, it's kind I, of a, prefer- it's kind of a move on your buddy. I prefer to play the back tees 
because it's easier for me. It's an advantage for I'm giving you all the advantage by letting you play close because now you're comfortable. I don't need to play close. I don't need to be close to the green. Actually, my game gets worse as I get closer to the green. Right. So I'd rather because come that, in. I'd rather have a wedge in my hand than uh, a 20-yard pitch shot. <laughs> because we drive for show and, and we, we putt, putt for, for and, no. And, and that being said, all that being said, my putting is embarrassing. It's it's the point. It it, it got in my head so much. No, no, my miss stro- it. Oh, no, no, it's like no, no, that. Miss it's it. like that. Miss and I'm standing over putts, and and I'm just like starting to sweat. Like no, no. I can't make a four footer, Rich. It's it's well, okay. I'm, I'm gonna have to go to a psychologist. Or well, that's something. what I was asking you last week. Was it is it is it nerves? Is it mental? It what, is what far is it? from nerves. It, it's mental because it's not like anything big's on the line. I, what am I going to do? Lose? Make the tour? Yeah, well, but you, I wait a minute, lose. wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not buying. You're competitive. You don't want to lose. I'm competitive. You don't want me it, chirping but, at you. Right, but it's not nerves. It's more of just it. I, I I used to, when guys would say they got the yips, and, I, and I've known some buddies through the years that are good players, and they get the yips, and they just stop playing for a while. And I just always thought to myself, how can you get the yips? Like, what? Just putt the ball. You're not a pro. Let's just play this game. This is what we do. It's a it's a hobby for us. And all of a sudden, I got the yips, and now I don't know what to do. Anyway, okay. Well, it'll it'll you. work itself out. It'll work itself out. I, I I don't want to talk about it anymore, Rich. No, I I, I want to talk about getting <laughs> inside your head. So if we're playing golf, and I'm like, miss it, miss it, no, no. Well, miss you it. don't do you, you don't do that. That that's. But if I did, can I get well, in your head? Well, then you'd be a clown. Hey, hey, Brett, I, I don't hate. I don't, I don't mean to tell you this, but you're already down three. Oh, you could say stuff. Like, you could say st- you could say stuff like that. But when I'm putting, you don't say miss it. I mean, that's, okay, that, but but that's I could get level. in your head. Like, oh yeah, sure. In between holes in the cart. Hey, are you gonna miss another putt today? <laughs> Shut Boy, up, Brett. Rich. No, because Ernie will do that. He's like, hey, God, Brett. it's embarrassing how you putt, Booney. Yeah. You, anyway, this is my home course. You're you're embarrassing me in front of my friends. All in all, is it was a great. I can't putt. It was a great that he keeps saying that he's like, how could you do what you did for a long for that long and, and you putt like you do? And I'm like, Ernie, just shut up, just shut up and be an average golfer, not an average golfer, good club golfer. Anyway, <laughs> hey, he won me five dollars. It was a fun trip. Uh, I always like going up there. It's a real nice. It's in Park City. It's real close to to Deer Valley. Uh, it's just a nice. It's a nice place. We got you caught a little, little rain day three. But, right. Uh, that was a fun trip. Quick in and out. Um, I was going to ask you this. Oh, you were so close to Jack Carr. I got I got distracted because he lives up there. Oh, does he? Yeah. Um, no, no, I'm sorry. Here's what I wanted to get to. I was, I was trying to get in your head. That's why I was silent right there, just seeing what you'd say. Well, I thought you I'm could. Trying to, I'm, I'm trying to mentally throw you off. Te- technical difficulties. No, no, no. I'm, tr- I'm trying to mentally throw you off. And I'm doing well, this. Well, Mike, Mike doesn't like that. So. Why no? But I'm trying, to, Mike, I'm trying Mike, to throw you off your game for a reason here, Brett. Right. Mike, for all you wondering, is our producer. And he doesn't like these little games Rich plays. Yeah. Right. He, he's probably laughing right now off, off camera. Well, I mean, some of the, some people last week, like Herrera, you were just wearing Boone out. Yeah, so acting acting like I'm right, acting like I'm a 15, 18 handicap. Well, no, no. I so I, I I've been busting your chops for 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 a reason because I want to bring up the first story I want to get to on the podcast today. And Rich, by the way, when it comes to golf, I I, I love it. I, I'm I love golf. Uh, 
but you can't hurt my feelings. You really can't. Oh, I, 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 I know I'll never be a great golfer. Uh, I what like if I outdrove you? That's impossible. It's a, what, if, it, what if I did? Maybe what if you just shank one and I just hit one pure? Well, if you should, so what? Then if, I can if I ever hit, throw, if hey. I ever hit one decent, and you even got within, say, a hundred yards of that tee ball, I'd, I'd worry. <laughs> okay, the reason why I'm Go trying ahead. to get in your head is uh, I wanted to talk to you about the story with uh, Justin Verlander and Alex Cora. Mm-hmm. Verlander's having uh, problems with the little pitch thing in his hat, and he's trying to figure it out. Figure it out. Cora comes out there, yells at him, tries to get in his head. And uh, and and a little bit of gamesmanship over there. So I wanted to know how does that really happen? Do you do you hear managers or or bench guys uh, chirping? You will. I I can honestly say in my career I never had an exchange with an opposing manager. May, maybe during a fight, uh, but never like on a personal level, like like the Verlander core exchange. And and the more I looked at it. It was kind of off the cuff. It was right. almost like they were they were buddies off the field. And he was just not having it at that time. It wasn't like fighting words. If if you I saw the clip and then I saw what Joey what what not Joey Cora, I'm sorry, Alex Cora said. Uh he said, Oh, I'm not worried about it. I respect uh Verlander as a pitcher and as a as a man. So so it kind of rolled off his back. Like, eh, in the heat of the battle, he just told me to kind of F off. And right. whatever, whatever, Verlander, you know, it was that Save type it. of thing. Right. It, it wasn't like we we're going to fight. So I think it was more of a friendly. Listen, I can't get my headset right. You're the opposing manager. I'm a little flustered right now. You're ta- you're, you're trying. It's this gamesmanship going on. So F off in the moment. And and Cora kind of looked at him probably like it wasn't like, would you say let's fight? It was kind of like, all right, now he's frustrated. Right. It, it really wasn't a big deal. And Verlander said, "Hey, listen, Cora's probably trying to get into my head, get me flustered." Yeah, it, you could tell it was a it was a thing where uh, there's a mutual respect there. There's a mutual respect there, but in the moment, it was kind of just uh, give it a rest and and we're moving on. And and it really Cora's reaction to it wasn't like he wasn't no over no the no top the, he wasn't angry, down. right? I mean, you say that in the wrong time, at the wrong time to the wrong person, right? You're fighting. But their relationship through the years, probably to a point where they can say that to one another and it's not fighting words. Okay, so what happens when you get flustered in that moment? Because there's times where you've been flustered at the plate, right? Right. Uh, so describe I'm, what that's like. To, to what Justin was going through? Yeah, as a hitter, being flustered. What am, give me a give me a give You're me an up example. There, like, you're not what what the could ball. I be flustered by? I don't well, know. That that has nothing to do with except for me and internally. Yeah. How do yeah, I? Yeah. No, no. I'm just trying to get. I'm just trying to get I, you to explain to fans now that you're, what you it's like to, when you're flustered. Okay, uh, that's a that's a good topic actually, it, and it brings back the golf topic. And you talked. You said the word shank. Uh, I've had the shanks before, and it is the loneliest place. You don't know what to do. But I'm not a professional. I always wondered. The big boys on TV on a Sunday on the tour. You get the shanks. What do you do now? If you're a professional, you probably have uh, you probably have a go to emergency swing that can get rid of the shanks and, and you can finish the game for the amateur like us. When we get them, we have no rhyme or reason why they're happening. They just keep happening and there's no go to as a hitter, especially as I got older and got a little experience. And I tell this to young players now. 
don't allow yourself to go over 12. Don't go over 14. I remember having this conversation with Josh Donaldson when this is years ago, eight, nine years ago. I said, Josh, don't go over 15. Recognize that your swing isn't working. You're not on time when you're over six. Because if you can curb that and go three for 14 over time, that's going to be a huge difference than an 0 for 14. So as a hitter, as I had the experience, as I gained the experience, there was a lot of times, believe me, when I was frustrated, wasn't seeing the ball, wasn't getting my foot down, wasn't on time. Uh, and I and I recognized that and I went to what I called an emergency, a survival mode, where I'm probably not going to do as much damage. I'm probably not going to hit a home run tonight, but I can find a way to compete and maybe mix in a hit and a walk. So if I can go, if if I can go one for three with a walk, when I'm feeling horrible, I'm beating the system because I'm going to get it back. And now it starts the next day. Now I'm going to the park early. I got early cage work because I got to find this, this rhythm back and eventually it will come back. But in the meantime, I'm in survival mode and it might not be the next day. I might go to the ballpark, do my early work with my hitting coach, whoever look at film, come out of that early session, say, you know what? It's better than it was yesterday, but it's still not back. So I'm still in survival mode tonight and, and just to survive. I'm not looking to shoot, to use a, a, an analogy from golf. I'm not looking to shoot a 62. I'm looking to shoot par tomorrow to live to play another day. And it's the same thing with hitting. It's like, I'm not looking to go three for four with a three-run homer tonight. I'm looking to go one for three with a walk and help my team win in some capacity. Is it like laying up? I'm not going to give my big home run hack. I'm going to try to put the ball in play. Yeah, I've, I've got to survive here. How can I help? Because the bottom line is win at all costs. Right. Win the game. How can I help this team? Now, I know what I can do defensively, but how can I help this team offensively? It might be a walk in a key situation. It might be hitting a sack fly. It might be hitting an eight hopper to the shortstop when the infield's back and there's a runner on third less than two outs. If I do that, I help my team. I, I got a point. For our team. And that might be a point at the end of the game that that's the difference. So uh, you can always find a way as a hitter when you're not at your best to still contribute. Do you see more emergency hacks, more safe I see swings less. this year? Or I see less. Year? Oh, really? oh, from this, this year, year to last year. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. And I don't see emergency hacks. I don't see that this generation of player uh, changed. I just think organically because of the pitch clock, because, okay, we got to be ready to go. Everybody ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think organically you put more balls in play for that reason. I don't think they're going up there with a different approach. I, I, I just think because of the rules, because of you've got to be ready. We know we've got to get ready. We put that in our brain in spring training when we went through this practice session that now it's becoming second nature. And I think as a result of that, because you're ready on time, not taking your time, uh, it's not on your watch anymore to control everything. Now you're more like, all right, I got to go. Boom. Oh, now I'm in hit mode versus before is I'll take my time. I'll look around. I'll take a few practice. Yeah, my batting gloves a little. I've got to readjust my batting glove and uh, ball one. Now it's more like, no, I got to be ready. And I'm swinging. I'm swinging, swinging to take. You see what I'm saying? Swinging gotcha. to take, not take to swing. 
Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Um, let's talk about this point of the season. We're getting closer and closer to September people on the hot seat. Uh, we'll start in Chicago. Uh, the Chicago white Sox have, are going to clean house in the front office. Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn, both gone reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are things that happen. Both have been there a long time. I know Kenny Williams has been there since forever. Mid, uh, yeah, forever. I mean, since I remember during my career, Kenny Williams was, the, was a general manager. He's changed, uh, uh, his letterhead has changed. What is that right. called? His, you know what I'm talking about. Right. Uh, but he's been in that general capacity. Ha- has you know has a lot of say in that organization. Reinsdorf uh, and him have been together for a long time. I just think it's they finally got to a point with everything with that White Sox team. We've been talking about that White Sox team for three years. Uh, they're probably the most disappointing team for me since I've been doing this side of the mic and, and being a baseball analyst and really been watching the biggest disappointment for me has been that white Sox team uh, for the last three years. It's like two years ago, they were really good last year. I thought they'll run away with that division. They didn't. Yeah. This year's been a nightmare for them on the South, on the South side. You know, it's been one thing after the other. They tried the La Russa thing uh, that didn't end up working out. Now I hear La Russa is going to be in, in, uh, going to be general counsel and, and work for the White Sox in, in a, in, in a traditional role up and, you know, be an advisor. Uh, but the La Russa thing didn't work. Pedro Grafol has, has big expectations going into this year. We had him on the podcast for the season. It just hasn't worked out for him. And sometimes that happens, you know, and sometimes that happens that things just don't work out. I think they've got some really good players that might be maybe moving on. I, I think the one guy they're going to keep, is Robert, the center fielder. He's he's a superstar. I think they're going to keep him and kind of build around him. But I think you're going to see not only a front office cleaning uh, of the White Sox, but I think from a personnel standpoint, I think there's going to be a lot of change. They're going to kind of scrap what they've got going now and, and start anew. All right. We don't hide from anything here on the podcast. And Brett has his baseball analyst hat on. So I got to ask you about the New York Yankees. Uh, struggling last place. People in New York mm-hmm. not happy. Um, what are your thoughts? Another situation, huge expectations. I uh, look at that ball club and, um, you know, we've talked about it before, you know, the, the, the constant for that rotation is a Garrett Cole, you know, might win the Cy Young this year, but, but going into this season, you expected to have a Nestor Cortez, a healthy Severino and, and a Rodon that the big pickoff in the pickup in the off season, it's going to be the, and Montas, we haven't even talked about Montas who came over in a, in a big trade. 
none of those have come to fruition. Rodon uh, was hurt for the majority of the year, came back, was ineffective, got hurt again. He's back on the aisle. Nestor Cortez missed two months, had one start, promising start, went back on the aisle. Severino's got, I don't know what's going on with Severino. He seems healthy now. He's missed a good portion of the year, uh, but he's got, a, he's got an ERE north of eight. ERA north of eight. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. Still got a world-class bullpen, but then just go around the diamond. Look at the offense. You know, you got a, a, an aging Josh Donaldson, missed a ton of time, was having a bad year. Uh, Rizzo, concussion protocol. He's missing time. He's out. Uh, Aaron Judge ran into the fence in, in LA. He missed two months. He's back. Giancarlo Stanton's having just a, a terrible year, hitting around 200 for the entire season. Bader in and out of the lineup. Their, their platinum glove catcher, uh, he's been out for the year. So anything that could go wrong for these guys from a health perspective has gone wrong for, for the New York Yankees. I know it's New York. I know it's different there. Uh, especially the fans, you know, they expect, and, and as a player, I love that. I would love to play there. And I always wanted to play there for that reason. There are high expectations, not really realistic expectations, but high nevertheless. And, and baseball is their whole world. And I love that. And, and to be a player in that atmosphere, there's nothing like it. You're going to get a lot of criticism, but at the same time, that reward when you win is, is tenfold. Uh, that being said, I think they're unrealistic. They, they, we here in New York, we do this. It's 2023. It's not 1956. The old days of, of winning championships just because you're the evil empire, that doesn't pertain to today's game. Uh, the finances are across the board. You've got a lot of teams that spend a lot of money now, so you can't be that that giant that wins every year. And and But New York fans are World Series or bust. Yeah, it's great to have that attitude, but it's not a reality in 2023. So the thing I feel for Cashman, uh, probably the longest tenured general manager in the game's got five rings. Uh, but at this point, whether it's his fault or not, uh, he's responsible for that roster. And and I, the thing that, that it, not that it bothers me, but I look at a guy that's been there, done that, has a ton of success in New York. Uh, the fans chanting every night, fire Cashman. Now that's what you expect in sports. You want to be the general manager for the New York Yankees? There's a price to be paid for that. And on right. the other side, there's a lot of perks, similar to Aaron Boone. You want to be the New York Yankees manager? Man, you're going to be you're going to be scrutinized like no other manager in the game. But the perks are off the right. charts if you ever win. So I feel for them what they're going through. Uh, players win games, Rich. Players lose game. Managers manage. Managers manage personalities and egos. Uh, but if everybody's hurt, uh, there's only so much you can do as as a manager. I talked to Aaron last night, and I just, you know, he's flustered, but he's doing okay. He's doing okay, and I just said, you got to ride it out, man. This is what this is the the rough side of being the Yankees manager. A lot of perks. I'm proud of him. He he's not he, he's going to go down fighting. I look at him on paper. They've got no chance. But don't tell that to Aaron right now, because if Aaron's one of those guys, you're telling me there's a chance. So he's going to be grinding right. it out uh, for the next five six weeks. And uh, I just look at him on paper, <laughs> and as an analyst and as his brother, they're done. It's funny because you've heard him say, hey, listen, we're just one one hot streak away from getting back into this. You look yeah. at Seattle Mariners, Aaron's not wrong. Mariners go on this hot streak. All of a sudden, they made it a wow. three-team race out west. They won again today. Uh, yeah. Un unbelievable what they've done. 
you know, and I, and I was just talking to somebody the other day about the Padres. They're five and a half games out, and and it doesn't look good because they've got to they've got to jump over three or four teams to get a, a a place at the table for that postseason. But then I think about it at the All Star break or or at the trading deadline, the Mariners were in the exact same position. Oh, heading down, Mariners are just rattled off seventeen out of twenty. And all of a sudden, if the if the season ended today, the Mariners are in the postseason. And by the way, they're one game out uh, of first place. I didn't even think this division was even remotely a possibility. I thought the Texas Rangers, the Houston Astros, they're going to come in one, two. Hopefully the Mariners can steal a wild card spot. They're knocking on the door right now. It seems like they can't lose. They go out there. The one thing that I've stayed consistent with with this Mariner team, they pitch. They've always pitched. They got one of the best rotations in baseball. They got a really good bullpen. I wish they had Seawald, who they got rid of at the trading deadline, their closer. Uh, that would be really handy right now. Nevertheless, they're as good top to bottom in the pitching category as anybody. They're just as strong. Offense is coming around. Julio, their superstar, 22-year-old center fielder, is having a monster month. Uh, last week, a monster week. Uh, and he's kind of carrying them, but... Uh, these guys are clicking and they're starting to feel it. And you can see it in their eyes when they take the field. I've been watching their games quite a bit recently, and it's it's pretty impressive. It's not like this is out of nowhere either. Last two years, they've won 90 games. And they put in late season pushes to get to that 90 games. They started that push a little early, but they're dangerous right now. They're the best team in baseball. The only other team right now in baseball that rivals what Seattle's doing is the L.A. Dodgers. They've rattled off 17 out of 20 as well. So uh, well, two great teams, different, different leagues. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the Dodgers because, you know, I didn't think much of the Mariners coming out of the All-Star break and, and around that time going into the trade deadline, it was Phil Nevin's Anaheim Angels that were on the uptick. Now it's Seattle just, just on fire right now. Dodgers were a team that had watched the Diamondbacks in first place for most of the first half. Then the Giants win seven in a row. They overtake the Diamondbacks. They think, oh, here comes Gabe Kapler's Giants. But Dave Roberts... Has just been steady, Eddie. Not a lot of not a lot of headlines. Not a lot of people talking about the Dodgers. Now you look. That's the great thing about our our game of baseball is the cream rises to the top, and you're seeing that with the Dodgers right now. Yeah, they're on fire quietly. I think the Dodgers have had so much success in the last six or seven years that nobody really pays attention to them. They this offseason they lost a lot of key. Yeah, this offseason they lost a lot of key players that have been uh, big players. Uh, big parts of those winning teams for the last six or seven years with both of the Turners left from a year ago. So nobody's really paid attention to the Dodgers. It's kind of that, oh, the Dodgers will still be good, but they're not like they were. Well, they've still got Kershaw still pitching like a Cy Young. Uh, he, he's off the IL now. Urias, who's having his worst year uh, as a as a pro, still a young man, one of my favorite pitchers, one of the best lefties in the game. Uh, he's there. Gonsolin's there. Uh the big key for the Dodgers, and I'm hearing this. I don't know if it's going to happen, but Walker Bueller coming back would be a huge difference maker in that rotation. But the offense has got it going. Like you said, I got to give I got to give Robert some credit here. The way he's kept that ship heading in the right direction, and uh, they got a huge lead in that division. That division's all but over. They got to be a little careful from a year ago when they won 111 games, and then got upset by the San Diego Padres, an 89 win win team in the second round of the playoffs. I think they've learned from that a year ago because when you go into the postseason, you have such a big lead like the Dodgers do. I think, uh, where are the Dodgers at? They've got a 12-game lead in the division, uh, and they're just kind of going to coast to that to that uh, 
National League West title. Uh, look at a year ago and don't let that bite you two years in a row. So I think the Dodgers are going to be ready. They're going to be more dangerous than they were even a year ago. Playing really well. Uh, it's going to be a fun race over there. But I, but still, Atlanta's the class of baseball. And you're going to have to the, – the road to the World Series goes through Atlanta. If you're going to be a World Series, you're going to be on uh, represent the, the National League in the World Series, you're going to have to beat the Atlanta Braves. They're the best team in baseball, American and National League.